0: From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature. Real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones.
1: That's what keeps me up till 2 a.m. Thinking, if I can just finish this one more interview, then maybe I can help one more person.
0: This time, we'll hear about a man who found his calling during the road trip of a lifetime. Micah Meyer grew up as the son of a pastor in a Lutheran church in Nebraska.
1: My dad loved his job. He cared so much for the work that he got to do and for the people that he got to help. And so, as a kid, I didn't really understand that because it was like my dad was always at work. But now that I'm an adult, I'm so jealous almost of my dad for the fact that he had a job that he loved so much and that he couldn't wait to go back to and couldn't wait to help this community. And I'm like, wow, like, what a lucky guy that he found something that he cared so passionately about. It's this sort of intense way of growing up where on the good side, like everyone knows who you are and it's this great sense of community and you have all these people who you know and who care for you and your family. And then on the other end, you are always being extra judged and extra put up on this pedestal and expected to be the perfect Christian example of a human being.
0: But Micah didn't see himself aligning with that vision of perfection. He was secretly realizing he might be gay.
1: We Lutherans tend to be Midwesterners or Scandinavian heritage which means that we don't talk about things that are controversial. So while I never heard my father say gays go to hell or God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, my family and my church never did anything to counteract that. You know, my family would talk about our alcoholic neighbors or people who were overweight or who were divorced, but we did not talk about gay people, which made me realize, like, oh, this is so bad that we can't even talk about it. And it was soul-crushing.
0: Micah moved away for college and met new role models, including his choir director. Micah's a singer.
1: I was 21, just about 22, when uh, I came out to myself and to everyone else, but I got to that point only after years and years of praying nightly to God to change me, and after decades of that not working, years and years of studying theology, reading books, talking to people all while in the closet. The breaking point for me was when I admitted to myself that I had never chosen to feel this way. So how could God send me to hell? And when I was a, quote, straight, white, male, perfect pastor's son, I never needed grace because I was the perfect example of what a Christian should be. But once I was gay now, openly gay, and suddenly I didn't fit that perfect mold, I had to rest on that grace and rest on God's love for us no matter what the world says about us.
0: When you came out to your dad, how did he react?
1: So I never got to come out to my dad. Uh, He passed away about three years before I was able to think those words and accept those words to myself. And. One of the only times I remember seeing him cry was when he had cancer and he was so sick that we had to wheelchair him up to the front of the church and he had to announce that he couldn't perform his pastoral duties anymore. So I never got to tell him. And He was a big road trip fan and a few days after his funeral, I ended up taking a road trip in his car. I just did this trip because I needed to get out of Lincoln, Nebraska. He had been going through treatment for three years and I just needed to leave that space. But it was such a transformational experience for me that opened up space in my heart and my mind to heal that I don't think would have happened otherwise that I vowed starting right then at age 19 that every year for the rest of my life I would take a road trip around the time of his passing April 29th as a way to honor the road trips that he would no longer get. And I I wanted to do them for myself. So I'd done one road trip every year from 19 to 25. But then as I, I went on, I started running into some of his formal pastoral interns. He would have an intern every year who was going through seminary, and now they were pastors scattered throughout the country. And I had finally come out at this point, and the thing I was most excited to ask them was, did you and my dad ever talk about this? Because he never directly did. There's no like record of his thoughts on homosexuality. And every single person was like, you know, your dad really wanted his students and his staff to have a faith that was tied to their own faith. And he didn't want people to just believe something because their pastor did. And then it was on that trip that I made it a goal to do some big road trip every five years. So age 30 was like the buck up or shut up year and i really wanted to do something that would grab my peers attention and teach them this lesson i learned from my dad's passing but share it in a way that was positive encouraging people to seize the day to chase their dreams now rather than later and no matter what goals they have for their life whether that's traveling or starting their own business or being a parent or working the family farm i don't want them to miss out on their life goals
0: And Micah had an idea. What if he went on the mother of all American road trips? What if he visited every single national park?
1: Sort of by sheer coincidence, through a connection to a friend, to a friend, to a friend, I found out that one of the two dozen people who in the history of the national park system had been to all of the units, that one of those people lived five miles east of me, and he was also gay. <laughs> so, through what I jokingly called the gay mafia, I uh, got connected <laughs> to him, and I invited him over for dinner, and we went through all 400 plus sites, and we plugged those in one by one to a spreadsheet, and by the time I was done, I realized that to fully experience all these sites, it would take me three years. So then I reached out to national park experts and I said, how much money would it take to do a three-year journey? And they all said, oh, probably $500,000.
0: Micah had some money saved up, but...
1: And was nowhere near that.
0: Micah knew he'd have to get some kind of financial help, and he figured he'd go after sponsors. But there was one big problem.
1: I looked around at the state of the outdoors culture at that time and realized that when I was starting my trip in the history of the outdoor recreation industry in America, no brand had ever had a Pride Month ad, never had an openly LGBT-sponsored figure, and didn't have any LGBT people and openly LGBT people in ads. So it was a very practical decision of like, if I want to share this broad reaching message about carpe diem, to do it, I'm going to have to hide this part of myself.
0: So Micah went back into the closet and he started approaching RV companies and others, but none of them wanted to sponsor him because he didn't have a social media following.
1: Which meant I knew that I would have to crowdfund and essentially start this trip on a shoestring and a prayer. That the money I'd saved up was enough to launch. And that by the time I ran out of money, I will have fundraised enough to stay on the road.
0: Micah set off to visit all the national parks in America. But it wasn't exactly a vacation.
1: So I began the trip uh, on April 29th, 2016, which was the 11th anniversary of my father's passing. Normally I would wake up in my van. Uh, I'd usually park in a hotel parking lot because that way I didn't have to spend money on a campsite. And I would answer emails from my phone for about an hour. And then probably two to three days a week, I would meet up with a local news station or a journalist around 11 or 12 o'clock and go through that whole process. And then I would go into the park. And I would hike the trails. I would make sure to get good photos and videos for my social media. Uh, at the same time, I would be answering emails, preparing for the next park that I needed to get to. I'd be sending out pitches to media for a week down the road. It was really this charoscuro of standing at the most beautiful sunsets and vistas and interesting historical locations that America can offer. And as soon as I took the picture, going right to work with sharing that. So it really was this dichotomy of like pure blissful, beautiful nature and like hardcore sit behind a computer till your eyes dry work.
0: But even though he was working so hard his message just wasn't connecting
1: i would do interviews and i would just get the nastiest emails from people who were like you entitled millennial you think we should just fund your vacation i totally get that reaction like it is completely understood and yes i do come from a lot of privilege but this project was the hardest i ever worked in my life because this wasn't a vacation this was a full-time job plus. plus
0: nine months into the trip things were looking bleak
1: by january of 2017 i looked at my spreadsheet and i was like okay i'm not gonna make it i will run out of money in in like six months something really fascinating happened though 2016 was the 100th anniversary of the national park service but 2017 was an anniversary for humankind and that anniversary was the Protestant Reformation so there's a story about Martin Luther that I really love and it was confirmed as true to me by the president of Cal Lutheran he shared that uh, Martin Luther never wanted to start the Protestant Reformation he never wanted to revolutionize the Catholic Church in fact Martin Luther never even wanted to become a priest But one day, he was out in the wilderness, and a violent storm came, and he was so afraid for his life that he said, God, if you allow me to make it through this storm, I vow I will become a monk. Now, I'm a Lutheran, my dad's a Lutheran, so we all know how that story ended. And it's for this reason that I like to say Martin Luther's moment of call to ministry was his lightning bolt moment. And what's hilarious is that this Lutheran pastor's kid hiking out in the wilderness in the 500th anniversary year of the Protestant Reformation got struck by lightning. Metaphorical lightning.
0: Oh, (laughs) okay.
1: My lightning bolt came in the form of an Instagram message and it was from somebody who wrote me and said, I go to a private Baptist school in Texas and I'm not out of the closet to anyone but I read about your journey and what you're doing and I looked you up on social media and I just wanna thank you. Because now I know when I grow up, I can be ordinary. And he says, then I saw you're setting world records and now I know when I grow up, I can also be extraordinary. And as I was sitting there like crying on my smartphone, I heard God saying to me, Micah, I'm giving you thousands of pieces of earned media coverage. Do you think you could use that to be for that kid, for the hundreds and thousands you know are just like him, and for 10-year-old you that really needs a role model? And I said, yeah, I could. So I committed from that point on to be open about being not just gay, but also a practicing Christian who happened to be a pastor's son and gay.
0: Immediately, things began to change.
1: Every day, I would get at least one message from somebody who was like, how do I come out to my family? I saw you on Uproxx, and I saw your Christian, like, explain to me how the Bible says this, like, how do you do it, like, every day. And so I would be hiking up trails in these national parks and on my phone messaging with complete strangers. And so like, as much as it was this really hard trip that was exhausting and stressful and the opposite of the glamour you saw on social media, Every day I was helping make somebody else's life better. And like that made me want to get the next interview and you know, share this story further because people are directly reaching out to you and you're seeing them then write back three months later and say, I came out to my parents and they didn't kick me out and thank you. And that's what keeps me up till two AM thinking if I can just finish this one more interview, then maybe I can help one more person.
0: But this wasn't solving his financial issues.
1: And around that same time, I heard from a friend of mine who was a pastor at a church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who had known me from our days living together in Washington, D.C. when I had sung for the choirs at our national cathedral. And he said, Micah, I see on your map that next month you're coming through Florida, and I just need you to know that there is zero chance You were coming through my town with my church and not singing for my church some Sunday. But I also know that you're struggling with fundraising. So what we're going to do is we're going to put out a basket and we're going to have you sing for your supper. So you can sing, tell people what you're doing, and then they can donate to help you with your parks journey. And at this point, I had tried everything else. So I thought, well, what do I have to lose? And I show up that Sunday morning and the pastor comes to me and he said, "Um, so we have a, a, a problem. The accompanist hasn't shown up today. I think he was out partying last night and he's not answering his phone. He's probably not gonna show up. Can you still sing? And at this point, I just don't think it'll work. And he said, okay, well, you sent me YouTube videos of you of the songs I could pick from. What if we just display that video on the projection screen and then you stand in front of it and you can hear the accompaniment through the speakers and then you can sing on top of that. And again, like I had never done anything like that. And I'm like, you want me to sing over a recording of myself singing while people watch me singing in that recording? Like, are you crazy? And he said, well, that's the only option we have. So I go up, I sing my first song. The whole time I'm singing, I'm like, don't mess up the words, don't screw up because they're literally watching you do the same song behind it and anything that's wrong, they will know. And I get through the first song, I go sit down, they're reading the first lesson and the pastor comes up to me he's like, oh, that was great, that was great, it worked out super well. Okay, so I'm gonna go up and read the gospel and then I'm gonna invite you up and have you preach the sermon. And I said, I'm sorry. I was listening to the words of St. James. What was that? And he said, yeah, yeah. You know, it will be super easy. You go up there and tell them about your parks journey. Talk about growing up gay in the church tied into the gospel. Somehow you'll do great. It'll be fine. And so I go up there and I preach the sermon, the Holy spirit put in overtime that day, but I shared my parks journey and what it was like growing up gay as a pastor's kid at my church and. Afterwards, people came up to me crying, and they said, you know, my niece is a lesbian, or my dad is transgender, and one man came up to me, and he said, I'm gay, and I never thought I'd hear those words and my story from the pulpit, and they got me to the next park. In fact, while I was down in Dry Tortugas National Park in the Everglades, that pastor had reached out to another church in town. He said, hey, Micah's coming back through town next Sunday. You got to have him come sing. He can preach, too. You could just take the whole weekend off, go on a last minute cruise like Micah has got it covered. And so I showed up to that church. And afterwards, somebody came up to me and they said, where are you at next Sunday? Oh, Tampa, I know a church you should do this at. And then in Tampa, somebody said, where are you at next Sunday? Oh, New Orleans? Call this pastor. And long story short, from January of 2017, when I thought I was going to have to end this whole project because I was running out of money, until the end of my journey in April 2019, I spoke at 113 churches, sang for my supper, and America's Christians funded a gay man to set a world record. Towards the end, one of his former students heard me speak and reached out to me afterwards and she said, I talked to your dad about homosexuality because I was an evangelical at the time and I was dating a Lutheran And I really liked this Lutheran, but there were so many theological differences that I couldn't figure out. And so I went and I talked to your dad about it. Your dad said, like, there's nothing in the Bible that says homosexuality is wrong. Hopefully they can just prove that it's genetic so the church will get over it. But it was this huge, huge relief to get a glimpse into what my dad might have thought. For me personally, it was such a welcome window to at least know that, you know, my dad wouldn't have kicked me out of the house.
0: Our storyteller was Micah Meyer. Micah lives in Minneapolis now. He recently launched a project called The Outside Safe Space that welcomes LGBTQ folks to the outdoors. And he's spreading the word about it by running all the way across Minnesota. You can see pictures of Micah and learn more about the outside safe space by following us on social media at Human Nature Pod. I'm Aaron Jones. This episode was produced by Greg Ronco with pre-production from Megan Fury. Editing help came from Charles Fournier and Alec Schaefer. Anna Rader is our digital producer. Our executive producer is Micah Schweitzer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's Next time, we're scaling up one of the most remote peaks in North America and facing a stinky problem. We had bonded of the misery of the bad weather. We had bonded over plans gone awry. And then I guess Taylor's awkward, awful poop was just kind of the frosting on the poopy pile.